0: Welcome to another episode of the Let's Sip podcast. I am your host, Brandon E. Gaylor. I'm a film critic and an author. My debut short story, White Powder, is available on Amazon Kindle now. But most of all, I am a beer fiend. And that's what we're here to do today. We're here to talk about beer. Got to kick off the show with a little bit of positivity. And uh, I'm definitely getting that from the beer I'm sipping on right now. I'm sipping on the double dry hopped version of Revolution's Citra Hero. Uh, Revolution has a limited release of IPAs under the Hero series. Uh, Of course, their Anti-Hero is their year-round staple IPA. But throughout the year, they switch off doing different Hero editions that usually have feature only a single hop, or maybe some hops from a particular region. So there are hops such as... Uh, there are beers such as Citra Hero, Galaxy Hero, and Mosaic Hero, and Centennial Hero. Well, the Citra Hero is plenty delicious all on its own, uh, but Rev decided to up the ante a little bit and do uh, quite a bit of dry hopping with some extra citra hops for an added wonderful bouquet of uh, citra, the citralicious aroma on this beer. There's a little bit of cloudiness to it, but not enough to consider it to be a hazy beer. But the uh, added hop aroma definitely adds to the finished product. Now, this came out a little while ago. It was canned back in August, uh, August 15th to be precise. Uh, So, this can is about a little over two months old, but it has been sitting in my fridge and it's tasting pretty much as good as it was when I first cracked it uh, shortly after I bought it. What's great about the Hero series of IPAs from Revolution is that while they tend to figure one particular, or what tend to feature one particular hop, They are still very balanced IPAs, Uh, they don't just come off as like hop water with a lot of hops in there. They're still a balanced uh, multi-IPA but features plenty of hops for those that are still uh, looking for that west coast style vibe. This one's sitting at 7.5% ABV so it packs a decent punch in the alcohol department. But, uh, not o- but not overly so, and not enough to be uh, um, more filling than it ought to be. And since Revolution's barrel-aged offerings are just around the corner, and they'll be coming out in cans, uh, now is a great time to remember uh, Revolution's great line of stuff, and to uh, be thankful that we have them in the markets in the Chicagoland area for sure. They were one of the early pioneers in this new wave of microbrew resurgence, uh, following the footsteps of Half Acre. Uh, I think it was just a couple years behind Half Acre when they first opened their brew pub in the Logan Square neighborhood of Chicago. And since then, they've really worked their way up. They built a production facility um, across town in Chicago. And a few years back, they even put in a completely automated hundred-barrel brewing system, uh, which the uh, control panel for that is uh, up a probably uh, a bit of a flight of stairs, almost as high as being on like the second floor, and uh, the the controls and switches and everything where you run the machine kind of. Uh, resembles an uh, old-fashioned or like command center that you would see in some sort of uh, sci-fi movie. Revolution has grown so much so in fact that it it's now counted as one of the largest uh, microbreweries or perhaps, uh, actually I think it's just microbreweries, but they're counted as one of the largest bre- microbreweries in the country now. I believe they were somewhere in the uh, top, uh, half to be certain, if not higher up. But for all the growth, the quality has certainly maintained its consistency. And um, they're definitely—it's definitely keep an eye on uh, whatever they're putting out next and anything new that they release. Uh, they're still putting out quality beer that matches or is equal to what they originally started with. And at the end of the day, that's what it's all about. So I like to get out and do a little bit of exploring around town and try to seek out new places that might have some decent beer selection that I had not been to before. Uh, There was a place recently around here called Beerability, which just closed. And um, I remember a few years back hearing about the concept that I think they tried to open in Round Lake Beach. Uh, The problem was the combination of craft beer and... um, Uh, slot machines just doesn't really seem like the best combination usually when people like to gamble they're not drinking all that much and if they do feel the um, almost I would say obligation to purchase a beverage while they are gambling uh, I doubt it's going to be a higher priced craft beer when they could buy a two dollar bottle of a domestic uh, for the for Uh, and save the rest of the money for the gambling so the concept of craft beer and gambling was kind of a long shot to begin with I presume but at the same time I didn't even know the place opened never got a chance to go out there so perhaps maybe marketing and other things played a factor as well but slightly down the road from that is Bulldog Ale House and One of the things that was a driving factor in deciding to finally go and visit the other night was a particular beer that I wanted to try. But I'm going to save that story for a little bit further down the road. I found Bulldog to be remarkable in the fact that uh, for the most of the time there, the service was just uh, terrible, absolutely terrible. Strangely, it kind of seemed to take a turn after I got my first pint, and I uh, just kind of sipping on that. And the uh, there was a shift change, and the we got a different bartender. I would say it took maybe 20, 25 minutes for me to uh, sip through my pint. And during this time, I was never once acknowledged by the bartender, he never made eye contact with me, and he didn't appear to make any eye contact or pay attention to anybody else that was already at the bar. Now, of course, when a couple of new patrons came in, he acknowledged them and served them, but the people that were already sitting at the bar, he didn't seem to pay any sort of attention to whatsoever. Now, I was relatively hungry, and I most definitely probably would have had another beer, But due to this poor service, I decided that I wasn't going to stick around and I was just going to call it a day after my one beer. Oh, I would also like to mention that during this time, I think there was a good period of at least about five minutes where the bartender disappeared from the bar area and was not even at the bar. Uh, Somehow he lucked out in the fact that nobody came up and wanted to drink or wanted to order something. But I thought that was interesting as well, that he went to abandon the bar and was doing whatever he was doing on a Friday night. So I wanted to close my tab, and I took a couple of tries before I could finally lock eyes with the gentleman and ask for him to close out my tab. Well, it appeared that I did not yet have a tab open. My beer was never rang in, so he had to do that before he brought me my tab. Well, I was just watching him. He was fumbling around on his keypad. And considering the beer I ordered was not even yet on the menu, I doubt they probably had an entry for it in their POS system. So that was probably the holdup. So he brings me over the check. And... uh I was rather surprised to see that I was charged $9.68 for a pint of beer. To begin with, the tab said that I had ordered a Deschutes Red Chair, which I had not done. Uh, it was a Deschutes beer, I guess maybe the price ranges would be the same, uh, but I had ordered the Deschutes Hopzite, their Autumn IPA. Still, I was rather surprised that I was paying uh, n- uh, almost $10 for a pint of a 7% IPA. I had not paid anything close to being that high, except for one particular beer or that I had in the city at a particular restaurant that was trying to be a little bit higher end. And in the city, you often look for a higher price. It's, No surprise for me to pay $7, maybe $8 for a pint of beer in the city. But this was up in the suburbs, and it was $9.68 for just a standard IPA. Nothing overly special. Maybe if it was a snifter of something heavier or a barrel-aged beer, I would understand that price range, but not for a pretty much standard pint. I definitely think I was overcharged, I think that he used the wrong button, I don't believe that the beer should have been anything relatively that high. So I think there was a screw up, but at that point I was just more concerned with getting out the door and didn't want to stick around, especially after the service up until that point had been less than satisfactory anyhow. Now it's hard when companies and places of business don't have an about section on their website. It becomes somewhat difficult to track down any sort of history about a particular company. Bulldog Alehouse is such a company. I tried searching the interwebs to see if there was any sort of news articles or something like that that would give more information about the company, but there was not. Uh, what I do know is that it appears to be a Chicago land or Chicago area chain. Uh, there are over 10 locations, mostly throughout the suburbs, uh, but there are two locations in the city, uh, one in the touristy trap area of uh, State Street. The dynamic they seem to be going for definitely probably fits in with the. Uh, suburban style motif. Location I was at was a rather big restaurant with a rather, rather large dining area. But the one side of the dining area was already closed off and nobody was seated there. And they were just trying to work with the tables around the bar area. Their specials seemed to be quite insane. On Mondays they featured dollar burgers. For just a standard burger. Um, On Thursdays they have 89-cent chicken tenders and on Sundays they do 49-cent wings. Even more outrageous might be some of their beer specials. On Thursday all drafts are $2 and on Sundays 23-ounce drafts are a mere $4. Their food options are expansive and all over the place. Uh, from a good selection of burgers to pizzas uh, to even sandwiches and salads. They also do wings, they have a decent amount of appetizers, and they have a selection of what they would call their alehouse favorites or their entree section, which features such items as chicken and waffles, pot pie, tacos, short ribs, chicken marsala, mac and cheese, and what sounds like a uh, former signature Chili's dish, Cajun Chicken Pasta. As much as their food options are all over the map, their beer selections definitely are not. At about 40 different beer selections to choose from, their tap list tends to skew very much toward the lighter beer side and has plenty of macro options as well. If you want to count Blue Moon, which I would as it is actually owned by the SAB Miller Corporation, so it's technically a Miller product, 15 out of the 40 tap handles are consumed by Macro Breweries. Doesn't leave a lot of room for exploration with the rest of the draft list. Five of these particular handles are Reserved for the bulldog house beers, which have uh, particularly familiar names, such as Sunset Wheat and Honey Weiss. Uh, quick check-in with the bartender confirmed that these are actually just line kugel beers renamed. Frankly, I don't really understand this. Uh, contract brewing is a huge rage. Why not just have line Kugels or another brewery? brew you something unique to have as your house beer. Why bother putting on somebody else's beer and labeling it as your own? It doesn't make sense. I don't I don't get it. It's not the first time I've seen this, but I still don't understand the concept. To me, it doesn't make a lot of sense. So for the true craft beer fan, which might be looking for somebody something special to have here, you'll have to wade through plenty of... Standard stuff like Boston Lager, Stella, Guinness, Modelo, Dos Equis, Heineken, all taking up tap handles. And of the 40 beer options on tap, 15 are in the Pilsner and Lager category. So this tap list definitely skews much more to the lighter beer than the darker beer. If you're looking for something dark like a Porter or Stout. Your only options would be the Parka Porter from Goose Island or Guinness. Uh, Guinness Droughts, the original Irish Stout. Uh, The Old Chub Nitro was listed under the Porters and Stouts, although technically it is not really a Stout. It is a Scotch Ale on Nitro. Um, Old Chub is still a great beer. It was nice to see they have it on draft, but it's not really a dark beer either. So anybody who was looking for something special in the dark beer world would be very much disappointed having only two options out of 40 and one of them was Guinness. There were also plenty of other staples standard stuff you would see from a uh, tap list that you could find at many places that serve a wide range of beer selection not just particularly one that should specialize in craft beer. Uh, Sam Adams had two more tap handles in that they were pouring the Oktoberfest and Sam 76. Uh, Ballast Point Sculpin, Goose Islands IPA, Goose Islands 312, which could almost be considered falling under the category of the much lighter stuff or macro beers. Allagash White and Bell's Best Brown were all on tap here. There were a few items that were special or that I enjoyed seeing on tap. Uh, there was one called Parker Parka Porter from Goose Island which I don't believe I've had before and maybe I've never heard of before. I would have tried that if I uh, had wanted to stick around which I did not. Uh, the Deschutes Hopsite, site of course which is what I ended up having. Uh, the Two Brothers Heavy-Handed, which is their wet-hopped fall IPA. Uh, the Founders Trigo, which I believe is a um, wheat lager. And then uh, Solemn Ose Punch punk, punk Rock for Rich Kids, which is a Belgian pale ale. A couple others that were nice to see on tap would be the Church Street Devil's Advocate, which is a Belgian strong ale and uh, Cigar City's Hialeye. It would have been nice to see a little more local variety in some of the beer here. And to be fair, I did check tap lists at a couple of other nearby locations. Some of the other Bulldog Ale Houses had a little bit better variety or some stuff that was a little more special or not quite as mainstream as a lot of stuff that I found. At this particular location in McHenry. And as I mentioned prior, I did not eat, but I do have to wonder about the quality of the food. Um, there was plenty of different burgers and specialty burgers on the list. All of those were not overly priced, but all in the uh, more than $10 dollar range. 11,12 dollars is what it looked like the norm for most of their burgers. But then they go ahead and offer a burger for a dollar on Monday. And yes, there's other toppings and accoutrements that make it a special burger or whatever, but a burger is still a burger. So they must be making the majority of their money on the food. But uh, some of the food specials do uh, seem questionable as far as the quality of what they are serving up. Dollar uh, burgers the uh, 89 cent chicken tenders are interesting wings i've seen wing specials to be that relatively cheap on a particular day so maybe that's a little more reasonable but to offer chicken tenders for 89 cents and burgers for a dollar tends to, tends to raise some questions but not quite as much as some of their beer prices Especially when it comes to Thursdays and all their beer drafts are only $2 for a pint. It's hard to say how they can recoup their money on a keg of craft beer if much of what they're pouring of that craft beer is only, caught, they're only charging $2 for that pint. But that, that begs the question of how much craft beer they are actually serving. Perhaps they're selling much more domestics than they are craft, and that's where they're still making the majority of their money from. This could very well be a possibility, especially considering the high range of macro beers there. Not only the ones uh, mentioned that were hogging up many tap handles, but they had plenty of bottled options as well. But if they're pouring a lot of craft beer out on Thursdays for only $2 a pint, they've got to be losing money, or at least on the beer. So my guess is they're trying to make up for that in the food category. And the food was not all that cheap. It was moderately priced, and their menu was all over the map, so perhaps... Uh, the food is definitely where they're trying to recoup some of that. They're off with the uh, beer, cheap beer prices they're offering on their beer specials. Again, I mentioned on Sundays, 23-ounce drafts are only $4, so that's relatively moderately priced as well. It was also troubling to see half of the restaurant empty on a Friday night at about 9 p.m., It's understandable that it's past dinner time but you would think you'd still see a little bit of a little bit of liveliness a little bit of traffic even at that time I mean for crying out loud a local uh, local branch of Applebee's one of the very few that even remain in this area would probably be seeing more foot traffic at 9 p.m. on a Friday than this one appeared to be having Just half the restaurant was not being used now they are right next to a hotel Uh, the hotel is close to a business park so perhaps the hotel services a lot of uh, business travelers so maybe they see a lot of dinner business and things like that during the week but it was troubling to see Uh, such as just just a large amount of real estate being underutilized at 9 p.m. on a Friday, especially considering it's the beginning of the weekend. Now, I certainly always wanted to make it a point to get to new beer establishments in the area that I haven't yet been to. But there was something else driving me to go to Bulldog Ale House that particular evening. That was the fact that I happened to notice on Untapped that they were pouring the latest iteration of Laganita's born yesterday. Now for anybody who may not know, Untapped without the E, is a social media app that allows you to check in beers and check in locations, kind of like Foursquare, but basically allows you to keep track of all the beers you've drank and allows you to rate them and Uh, share messages with friends, and share um, comments with friends, and things like that. It's very much a social media app for beer lovers. But recently, they've added such features that businesses can use the software to manage their tap lists and keep an up-to-date list available on the Internet at all times. It also has a nearby feature, which will show you what people... In your particular vicinity might be drinking either at home or at other uh, established watering holes so this is how I found out that Bulldog was pouring the born yesterday uh, which is Lagunitas version of a uh, wet hop ale uh, fresh hop ale uh, to match right along with the fall season And in past years, it proved to be outstanding. Uh, Between that and their Waldo's Triple IPA, I think those are two of their best limited release IPAs that uh, you can find out there. Uh, They were super delicious. Uh, Waldo's was great, but I remember Born Yesterday just even being that much more tremendous. So I was definitely looking to get my Born Yesterday on. So when I arrived at Bulldog and got to my beer menu, I didn't have to peruse it very long um, till I, you know, because I knew what I wanted. So I told the bartender that I wanted the bourne yesterday. And that's when she hit me with the truly tragic news. They were all out of the bourne yesterday. She then proceeded to tell me that they had a tapping event on Wednesday, two days prior to this day, um, and the, uh, the keg had been not a quarter barrel, but a half barrel. So basically, they went through an entire half barrel of Born Yesterday in about two days' time. But unsolicited, she did bring me different options to try. Uh, they had recently tapped the Deschutes Hopzeit, their autumn IPA, which was not yet listed on the menu. So she gave me a sampling of that, as well as, uh, the hi the Ballast Point Sculpin, and the, uh, Surly Extra Citra. Now, each of these beers I had already had before, uh, but it was nice of her to at least give me those to try and just to uh, have the taste. I don't know if she, she might have assumed that I probably was already familiar with all the beers, especially when I was looking for Born yesterday in particular. But as I was sipping on those, she then brought me a sample of the Two Brothers Wet Handed, which is their wet hopped seasonal uh, IPA for the uh, fall season. So I got to try a sample of that as well. Needless to say none of these really came close to born yesterday but I settled on the Deschutes. This bartender was great she was attentive and uh, she made sure I got my beer but shortly after that I was not far along in my beer when her shift ended and she had to leave. This is where things all started to go downhill. Once she left, the other bartender took over, and that's when the customer service took a steep, steep decline into the uh, unacceptable range. But the original bartender did tell me something interesting, that on the days they have the $2 drafts, that that applies to all drafts. Nothing is off-limits from that special. So basically... They tapped a keg of Lagunitas born yesterday on a Wednesday to basically flip that around on a Thursday and sell pints of that for only $2. That to me seems like somewhat of a losing proposition. It's great for the consumer, but... It can't be profitable in the long game, especially if you're looking to establish yourself as an alehouse or if the alehouse is the vibe that you truly want to uh, match with. If you're looking to just be a bar and restaurant with beer, that's one thing. But if you're calling yourself an alehouse, you should have to hold yourself to a little bit of a higher standard and be a little bit more careful. It would be tempting to return for the extremely cheap beer, that's for sure. But due to the level of customer service that I experienced, I just have to think I have to force myself not to return. It's just a matter of principle here. And if you don't want to take a look at the customer service, just look at the way they handle the beer. Like I said, many of the Draft options were staples that you could find at many places, nothing too special. Uh, local establishments definitely have more of an eclectic variety of beer. And the, the, the steep discounts and pricing on the beers is uh, questionable as well when it comes to a place that um, should be giving a little bit more respect to their beer program. In the brief time I spent sitting at the bar, I noticed them pulling out a lot more domestic bottles and pouring domestic drafts than they were pouring anything else. Overall, Bulldog Alehouse proved to be a massive disappointment. I felt disrespected, and I felt the beer was disrespected. And somehow, I feel like that's the bigger of these two tragedies that will do it for this episode of the let's sip podcast i'm your host brandon e gaylor podcast theme music composed by brandon e gaylor special thanks to anchor.fm for hosting the podcast feel free to follow us on instagram at let's sip podcast thank you very much for sipping with us and we'll drink with you again next time bye bye